This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who's on this podcast, the other person who lives in this home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Instead of asking how are you, I'm going to ask you, what do you feel is the most relaxing color of t-shirt? Oh, wow. I mean, blue. <laughs> is it is blue your answer, no matter what the object is, that blue is the most relaxing color? No, I almost said green, but you added t-shirt, and I don't know that green is the most relaxing color t-shirt. Although I'm wearing like a light, like sandy green t-shirt, and I find this to be a relaxing t-shirt to have on. <laughs> you have an eagle eye for earth tones of different kinds. Almost <laughs> all your clothes are like they have sprung from the ground itself. Uh, so I find that very relaxing. Excellent. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to be earth tony relaxing. <laughs> earth tone, I think, is a great segue into what we're actually talking about today uh, because the the person we're obsessing on wears a lot of earth tones. Uh is anybody who is following along with general Star Wars land and social media, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show is airing, broadcasting, streaming, uh, verbing. As we record this uh, episode, part five just came out. We're waiting for part six, so we don't know the epic conclusion yet. Uh, but it is uh, it's something I've been looking forward to a lot. It, the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi has always meant a lot to me. I am legitimately obsessed with Obi-Wan Kenobi, and this is the season of Obi-Wan Kenobi fever. So Sarah graciously wrote up some questions and is going to interview me about my obsession with Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I also want to know your feelings as we go oh, along. Okay, well, well, we'll see about that. Yeah, this isn't just like straight up <laughs> NPR journalism where I'm like, I don't uh, add any of myself to the interview. I want you to add a little bit of your what? insights and feelings as well, is my request. No worries. All right, well then, I give you the talking baton. Why, thank you. I'm so happy to be talking into the <laughs> baton. Um, and to, I'm very excited to ask you some of these questions and just to talk a little bit more about the character of Obi-Wan. We obviously have talked a lot about the character of Obi-Wan throughout our lives, but not necessarily <laughs> with microphones in front of us. No. So I'm excited to record one of these conversations. Yeah. Um, and I did want to start with a caveat, which you kind of said, I'm just going to make it explicit. This is about the character, not about the show that's currently airing on Disney+. Plus. Exactly. I'm sure the show will come into it. But like we said, mm -hmm. recording before, it's epic conclusion. So. Yep. And it's about more than, than just that as well. Do you have any caveats that you would like to include? I guess it's not a caveat. I guess it's a question that I just realized. I can't stop myself from attempting to interview you, even though <laughs> I tried to give you the interview baton. Uh how do you feel about my liking this character a lot? Like you jokingly said, we've talked about it a lot without microphones. Is this always something that you felt like, oh, that's cool. That's a character he likes. Or has there ever been anything where you felt positively or negatively about like my relationship with this character? Oh. Has there ever been a time where it's come up and you're like, oh, not Obi-Wan again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about Obi-Wan as the Anakin quote goes. Yeah. Uh, no, I am not Anakin. Um, in more ways than one. And uh, I, I also, I would not say I'm obsessed with Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan is a character that I have always been intrigued by. Mm. And so I think um, it's something that I'm, I'm usually happy to talk about. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Good to know. Yeah. So that's my starting point. 
That's a very good starting point. If we started with, yeah, I think you have a problem, that would be an interesting <laughs> conversation. And I have some questions about it. That's where we're going today. No, that's not where we're going today. Um, but I actually do have just kind of one, I don't know, maybe odd question to start with, maybe not. We've started by talking about Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. but I'm so curious. How do you feel about the use of Obi-Wan, Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ben Kenobi, <laughs> I don't know. OBK, like <laughs> OBK makes him sound like he is some weird serial killer that's never been caught. <laughs> like, what, do you have a preferred um, a name that you prefer, or a name that you don't like for some reason? Because I don't think we have talked about that, and I realized that as I was writing up the questions of like, how do I refer to this character? Oh, I I think I use Obi One most often when I'm just talking about him, but also I say Kenobi or Obi One Kenobi, or is I think like the action figures were of uh, Ben Obi One Kenobi or Obi One Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character is a person of many names, and that's one of the things that is fascinating about him. It's our introduction to him of in A New Hope mm-hmm. <laughs> of Obi One. That's a name I've not heard in a long time, and there are a lot of moments in the narrative where it's significant how different characters refer to him. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah, the Ben true. thing, he's made a big deal about uh, kind of it's an identity break for him mm-hmm. of Obi-Wan is a noble Jedi and Ben is a hermit on this mm-hmm. planet for, you know, uh, reasons, <laughs> exile and protection. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of things. Uh, and then there's lots of great moments of uh, his enemies, which he collects a lot of, calling him Kenobi. <laughs> true true okay uh, but vader always says obi-wan because it's personal you know yeah. so like i, I think uh, i'm fascinated because uh it, i think it is it's true of all of us our our names and the different parts of them the different ways they can be constructed hold great meaning and i think that's true for this character so that's my main reaction to his names mm-hmm. casually i'll say obi-wan or obi-wan kenobi mm-hmm. but you know he's also general kenobi He's also the negotiator, according to General Grievous. So, like, there are a lot of names. Nice. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, So we're just going to start back at the beginning, and we'll see where we go from there. (laughs) What is your first memory of Obi-Wan Kenobi? Oh, just probably my, like, first memory is looking at a picture of him in the storybook of Star Wars. Like, I saw the movie, but I have, you know, dreamlike memories Mm -hmm. of seeing the film. But then I have more concrete memories of uh, staring at the Star Wars storybook, which was like kind of very, uh, you know, broad retelling of the story in in big font, but lots of pictures. And I looked at it before a lot before I could read. Mm -hmm. And the book starts with like the pictures of like uh, kind of like the little portraits of all the characters. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. So I that's like one of the like deepest memories of. Who's this old guy? What's he about? Yeah, um, and then I had the action figure as well, so there's okay. a relationship there. Was it um, was it pictures or was it drawings in the book? Pictures, okay, photos oh, the, from the actors. film. Yeah, okay. And were you when you're like, what's this older man and what's his deal? Were you intrigued? Were you like, why is he in this story about young kids? What was your reaction to that? Yeah, I don't think I thought about it, you know, in a way where I was conscious of my own thinking about it. But I think I was intrigued by him as a sort of mentor guardian figure. Like I mm-hmm. didn't, you know, imprint on him. Mm-hmm. I imprinted on Luke. So I thought about Obi-Wan in terms of his relationship to Luke, mm-hmm. who was this kind of, you know, wise guiding figure uh, who opened the door to adventure for Luke. 
so I think my initial relationship was like, where's my Obi-Wan? <laughs> where's the, where's the kind guy who's going to whisk me off to adventure? And it's so funny, like the contrast between our, our wonderful mythic storytelling, which presents us with uh, older, wise, uh, you know, strangers often who come into to young adventurers lives and open the door to adventure. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at that time in particular, when I was growing up, uh, there was so much education about stranger danger, right? right? <laughs> so it was weird to be like, I hope there's some old man somewhere who I vaguely heard of who will just show up and whisk me away. And then everything <laughs> I'm hearing is like, stranger danger, don't right? take candy. Like all understandable, but there's that weird uh, contrast. I know I've told this story uh, before on other podcasts, but I think I also just had a relationship to him of processing loss, mm-hmm. of understanding that he died, but not really getting it and knowing that he was kind of still alive because he's whispering and being young enough to be like, is that what happens when people die? Do you yeah. disappear and then you can still uh, whisper to people? Um, and I've, in particular, I asked my mother what happens when people die, and she kind of was like, yeah, "They go to heaven, uh, and it's cool. Like, where's that?" Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, "I haven't traveled much. Is that like Detroit? Where's heaven? What's the deal?" <laughs> um, and I, I, her best explanation was like. I think I probably grilled her on like physically where it is. And she's like, well, it's, it's above us and in the clouds kind of thing. Um, and uh, and so I acted it out because I was really obsessed with Luke's grappling hook mm. that he uses to swing across the chasm with Princess Leia. Yeah. Uh, so I put Obi- my Obi-Wan action figure on the top bunk of our bunk beds and then had Luke throw his grappling hook up to get uh, Obi-Wan back from heaven. Because wow. it's just above us. So yeah. I thought heaven was the top bunk of our bunk beds. Yeah. Uh, so that's like one of the the strong memories of, I think he represented everything that it was to be older. Everything from mentorship to wisdom to exiting from the younger person's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever, um, I think you've talked about before that you would play Star Wars on the playground at various ages. Did you ever play Obi-Wan? No. Did anybody? Was that like ever uh, a consideration? No, I don't think that was a conversation at all. And I think this is one of the reasons that I'm fascinated with the character is I definitely had a relationship to him. He's one of the core characters of Star Wars, you mm-hmm. know, uh, in, in the in the original, you know, uh, film. Yeah. Uh, but there, I'm sure some people identified with him and I started identifying with him at different ages and I'm creeping up to the point where I can identify with a man who hope, uh, but that's not the way it started. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, did you ever have a phase in your life when you like just weren't into Obi-Wan and you were like, it was like your teenage rebellious phase against him? No, no. Mm-hmm. The, the, as I got a little bit older and you know, the, the prequels aren't out yet, special editions aren't out yet. Like Star Wars always held this place in, in my mind in fantasy, but I didn't, we didn't have a VCR for a long time, so I didn't get to see it much mm-hmm. at all to to revisit it again and again and when i when we finally did have the vhs tapes and i could revisit it often i started to get really intrigued with obi-wan because he had a history mm-hmm. and as a young person as a teen i wanted i heard so much like you don't know yet you haven't had this life experience i think having a brother three years older who was often like i've already had i know what it is to go through sixth grade let me tell you about sixth grade kid <laughs> i really coveted having experience in the idea of being in a conversation where you could be like 
Man, that happened a long time ago. We're talking 20 years. Yeah, I used to go by that name, but that was a long time ago before you were even born, kid. The thought of having that conversation Mm -hmm. made me feel so cool that I became (laughs) really obsessed with that element of Obi-Wan, that introduction where he's like, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. And there's a little trill of exciting, mysterious music. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. This idea of being a person who's old enough to have baggage in history, that made him really cool in my eyes. Yeah. So you wanted to be old. I wanted to be old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, pump the brakes. That's right. Let me, let me be young Luke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously we're talking about Obi-Wan for the entire podcast today. But um, what, if you had to boil it down to the heart of it, what intrigues you about him now? Just, we'll come back to in between mm-hmm. now and, and, and then, but um, like, what is uh, for you like the essence of why you keep being drawn back to Obi-Wan today? Because I think at his core, the story of him is he is a an absolute hero. He is in some ways uh, the Jedi that we get to see who is just like, I want to be a Jedi. All of the teachings make sense to me. I do not crave action or adventure. I am here to do my best to be a servant of the light side of the force. And I have stumbles, but I do not break. I do not fall to the dark side. And it's it's not easy to mm-hmm. not fall to the dark side. And I work on it, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not Anakin. I'm not Luke. I, I'm not, you know, uh, my name's Take Ben Solo. I, I That's not a, it is a temptation, but... I'm, I'm never going to fall. There's mm-hmm. some great moments in, in the storytelling of the Clone Wars animated series that kind of get into that sort of unbreakable nature. But there's a lot in the main movies as well where it's just like, this is my this is my day job to be a Jedi. Like mm. with the not liking to fly and they like, well, I guess I have to have a lightsaber fight, but it's like, I'd, I'd rather be at Dexter's Diner, you know, kind of complaining about politics. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So I think at his core, he is like a true hero. Mm-hmm. But then he has all these wonderful character traits that evolve over the years where he is, you know, uh, he he is a little grumpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a little like highfalutin of I've kind of got this classy accent. And every once in a while, I kind of look down my nose at other people. But then I kind of learn a little bit that that's a little bit more wrong and, and really developing the, the philosophy of trying to see the big picture and trying to understand other perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got the the famous uh, conversation with Luke about from a certain point of view uh, about, you know, what what he Obi-Wan told Luke about what happened to Luke's father, Anakin, mm-hmm. of saying, well, from a certain point of view, Anakin, you know, fell to the dark side. He became this other person, Vader, and, and that person consumed Anakin. So from my point of view, your, your true father is dead. That is my legitimate point of view Mm -hmm. that's very debatable among fans but what really develops from that in all the other obi-wan storytelling is he's always really curious really patient really interested to understand where people are coming from and in sometimes that's because like oh if we understand what the actual problem is we can de-escalate and then if it's like it's probably not a chance of de-escalation and this is going to come to conflict i need to understand who you are because then i understand your weaknesses Mm-hmm. And that's another quality I love about him is just like how incredibly crafty he is, you know, yeah. that he's always a little a little slippery of like, uh, mm, I'm, I, 
you think you're fighting this battle, but I'm going to change the conditions of the battle. And for people who've, who have seen part five of uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi television show, I think that's what it's all about. It's a celebration of that. It's, you know, Vader and Kenobi uh, coming to have conflict, and Kenobi is figuring out every move that, that Vader Anakin is going to make because he knows him. Mm-hmm. And Vader is desperately trying to outthink Kenobi, knowing his old master is crafty. He's like, he's going to change the condition of the game somehow, <laughs> and I don't know how he's going to do it. Yeah. So core soul is, to me, unbreakable Jedi with all of these interesting, sometimes contradicting, sometimes flawed, sometimes noble traits on top of it that make him just kind of endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Do you think, uh, just hearing you talk about this, that he his existence as a character has been kind of a mentor of sorts in your life? Absolutely. In particular, the wanting to be patient <laughs> uh, because I think a great thing about him is when we see him in The Phantom Menace and he himself is a is a Padawan, 25, ready to take the trials, ready to graduate into being a for real full adult Jedi Knight. Uh, he's anxious and impatient and ready to go and he still has moments of being anxious and impatient but then when he he sees the impatience of Anakin and even young Luke he's like oh yeah no calm down and I think (laughs) that's really really relatable to me and to my life of like I have those tendencies to be impatient and aggressive and go like well let's just let's just come at this absolutely straight on and then to have that sort of influence of Obi-Wan going "Eh, wait a minute take a deep breath Try to see it from the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. What are you actually trying to accomplish? What are your actual victory conditions mm-hmm. for yourself, for your soul, for the big picture, for other people in the situation? It has really been inspirational to try to uh, use the skills I've learned from this, watching the stories of this character. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It it seems like it, hearing you talk about <laughs> po- which, which things you um, you pull out from him obviously knowing you quite well but I was curious what you thought since kind of starting with that idea of like wanting that mentor figure that you know stranger be like here's your whole new world and this obviously is in a different way but just kind of that way especially since we've had such a long time with the character of Obi-Wan in a lot of different aspects of his life um, that as as we've seen him age and be young and age again. And, uh, you know, and we all have aged because that's the way that life works. Um, it's just kind of interesting to to think about how you've had a chance to have him influence different actions or perspectives in your own life. Um, and just interesting how a character from, um, from this other world that is still fiction um, can also be a mentor, even if they're not a real person. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one other like major character trait, which is this, um, there are these elements to where you can kind of accuse him of equivocating, and, and it's a very fun Star Wars conversation. Should he have told Luke the full unvarnished truth right away mm-hmm. in A New Hope? Um, there, and there are moments where he is grumpy uh, and judgmental, but at the end of the day, when it really matters, he's always kind and always gentle and mm-hmm. i think that's really relatable too because he's not just this like ah oh, i just i waft through the galaxy i waft through life and kindness is everywhere he's like he's grumpy <laughs> uh, he's snarky and then when it really matters when he sees that it is truly needed he checks himself and he always leads with with kindness when it really matters mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. How much of it do you think uh, you get drawn toward him because uh, he has a, a grumpy side to him? <laughs> I think that's <laughs> definitely a part of it. It makes him funny. Like he's, it does. He's, he's snarky. He uses wit mm-hmm. in in combat and in life. And I think, yeah, the, the grumpy, snarky wit of Kenobi is definitely a huge part of why the character is just like, fun to watch and enjoyable right yeah yeah it makes him relatable he's not that like oh i'm always patient like he's not and so i think that does that provides he feels more human yeah exactly and i think that's what makes it so powerful is like if you look at his big choices he is in my opinion this unbreakable jedi unbreakable servant of the light but all those character traits make it human of like yeah no we all want to do the right thing but it's not just like Ah, I make a decision when I'm 13, and now I'm a good person for the rest of my life. It's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment battle, mm-hmm. and I feel that, like, that Kenobi could always give in, not to the dark side, but the grumpy side yeah. at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we talked about this a little bit. You know, we've seen him at so many different stages throughout his life, between the prequels, the original movie, the Clone Wars, the books. Um what is your reaction to seeing so much of his life either played out on the screen or I'm including the animated shows with that or typed out on the page, like really getting to see or read so much of it? Do you have a reaction to that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's one of the things that makes the character really, really rich. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think you could just watch the main movies and you can get a lot out of it. But, you know, some of the books have some great stuff. Uh, the Clone Wars animated series really, really develops the character. Uh, there is an arc where we discover that he uh, almost left the Jedi Order uh, because he fell in love with the ruler of Mandalore and a, a lot of tragedy that happens there. The um, the ongoing dance he has with uh, with Maul, uh, who is, a you know, obviously, if you've seen The Phantom Menace, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi cuts him in half and uh, Maul survives on rage. <laughs> <laughs> and his main thing in life is, I'm gonna hurt Kenobi in a lot of the story of attempting to break Kenobi and Kenobi just going like it's no I don't I'm not going to give in to vengeance I'm not going to let myself be defined by that a lot of storytelling is in the Clone Wars Mm -hmm. and again I don't think you need it you can just watch the movies but it really enhances uh, the movies so to answer your big picture question I love it it's a real fun study and what is consistent about a character versus what changes you know Mm -hmm. because in the Phantom Menace he is young and antsy and ready to go and, you know, almost loses the fight to Maul because he is, he is, he's being uh, vengeful for, for his, seeing his master be killed by Maul. Yeah. And like that youthful energy of like, I'm gonna get him. And it, and he almost loses because of that. And then you see him mature and mature and mature through all of the trials he goes through. Uh, so I love seeing that. And I also think that, some of it is a matter of time and perspective for me. If he was an intriguing character, he was he was a classic. Uh, but then as the prequels came out, they just lined up with my life kind of uh, perfectly for me to imprint on him. Okay. Because, you know, when the, when the first prequel came out, when Phantom Menace came out, I had kind of taken my first steps into adulthood, mm-hmm. you know, where I, I had a job, I had my own apartment, I was, you know, my... my sketch and improv comedy career and writing career was really just starting to get some traction where this is my life. I'm taking my first step into being an adult and I'm still young and and full of energy like Obi-Wan in that movie. And then as the 
those movies came out in you know by the time you get to Revenge of the Sith and he's kind of this fully formed version of Obi-Wan Kenobi which is kind of my favorite his his best look hairstyle and beard wise (laughs) (laughs) I think and he is uh, cool and and confident and but still going through some tragedy and that's life and you know by the time that movie came out in 2005 I'd had my ups and downs of oh wow adult life has got some elbows to throw but I feel like I'm kind of stabilizing. That movie came out when you and I were dating. Mm-hmm. After I saw that midnight showing, I came over to your apartment at like 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, but finding you and finding our relationship felt like, okay, there. yep, I, I get what adult life is now. And now I've kind of found my partner and it feels like there's a little bit of stabilization on the horizon. Uh, mm. So honestly, it is... It, it is stuff that I can just like uh, analyze from the, the films and the storytelling, but also some of it is me imprinting on this character. Yeah. And just that, uh, that great feeling when you're like, Oh, this, uh, this character is my favorite and I can't wait to see what he does in the next story. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you kind of answered this. I was going to say that I didn't want to ask for a favorite because I think that can be hard. <laughs> um, I was just going to say like for today, Friday, what is um, the time period in Obi-Wan's life that most resonates with you, but you kind of answered that with kind of late, late prequel era. Uh, well, maybe, I think, or? I think late prequel era is the most, um, aesthetically satisfying to me. Okay. <laughs> right. Like there, I, there are storytelling moments. I love, uh, I loved a lot, a ton of his moments. Uh, some of my favorite Kenobi moments are attack the clones. Uh, but then revenge of the Sith, he's got that, uh, the, cool haircut the on point beard he's got a lot of like cool lines and cool fights and it's sort of it's the one that i like want to have action figures of and posters of uh but in terms of his his my favorite period in his life it's um kind of this weird journey that i keep being rewarded by seeing him having adventures at around the age i am Mm. and i mean this kenobi show again kind of lined up (laughs) that it's uh, a, it's a midlife crisis show, you know, <laughs> and it is a, you know, the this current show that we're almost to the epic conclusion is about somebody who's gone through some life and really made some mistakes and is really like, well, maybe this is I'm surrounded by problems. Maybe maybe I just kind of sink into to depression and go through the motions and and that's life. But like, no, wait. I'm looking at this the wrong way. I can find purpose. I can find connection. I can find hope. And, you know, I'm at that age to have feelings like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, as many people have pointed out, you know, this whole global pandemic uh, rise of authoritarianism across the globe. Um, it is a time of uh, uh, the world having a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. regardless of what age you are. Yeah. So I think this story and this moment and him being this age is another moment where I find like I'm in sync with him in <laughs> <laughs> the challenges he's going through. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I guess my favorite age is, of story is watching him at, whenever he's at the age I am. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes so much sense. Um, and I, I also am loving him going through his own uh, version of a midlife crisis while we're going 
Well, they're going through their galaxy midlife crisis, <laughs> and we're going through our own gal- uh, global midlife crisis. So let's all do it together. Yes. And we're all, we all have friends that way. Thanks, Obi-Wan. Yep. He's, he's leading our support group. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, so if you could become Obi-Wan for a day. Wow. What age Obi-Wan would you like to be? And then I'll stop asking about ages. I just. Oh, yeah. Then I would be, you know, General Kenobi. Uh, during the Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the, he's got some great looks in the Clone Wars with a little bit of armor, you know, yeah. mixed in with his uh, with his Jedi robes. Um, one of the things that I've always appreciated and noticed, but on my last viewing of Revenge of the Sith, I really noted, uh, you know, there's one of the just that's cool shots is, hey, it's time for a lightsaber duel, and he takes the robe off. He takes a robe off three times. He leaves in that film. He leaves the galaxy littered with, I got to take off my outer, you know, dark brown robe in order to have an awesome fight. Yeah. Does he pick them back up? <laughs> no. He litters the galaxy with robes. He leaves one. Uh, maybe he picks it up, but he takes one off to fight Dooku on board the Separatist Dreadnought right at okay. the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes uh, one off to fight Grievous on the planet Utapau. Mm-hmm. And he takes one off on Mustafar to fight Anakin. So he could have retrieved some of them. But like... <laughs> I feel like if that's his day to day in the Clone Wars, which it isn't, that's it's high escalation. Right. But you know, you can imagine that like the galaxy has thousands of Obi Wan Kenobi pre fight <laughs> robes just laying everywhere. Anyway, the point is it there it, what what's cool about the shot is like, okay, something has to be done. I'm taking off my robe and getting down to business. And it's like one of my favorite gifts because it's got that energy. So if I got to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of the things I'd want to do is just like go around taking care of problems. And every time like, all right, time to have this difficult conversation, throw my robe off. Like, all right, (laughs) time to eat this large meal. Take my robe off, you know, just take the robe (laughs) off for everything dramatically and just leave them there. I love it. I love it. And maybe, you know, in a way he's helping the Jedi and the future Jedi because then somebody else can come take the robe. They find a Force-sensitive youth. They cut it down to size. And uh, now this youth has their own uh, Jedi robe to aspire to. Perfect. There we go. He was upcycling before it was a thing. He was upcycling. Nice. (laughs) Uh, So do you think you would rather be Obi-Wan, be friends with Obi-Wan, or just watch him from afar without getting entangled. Oh, I would love to meet him. Okay. You know, and this is one of the things that is is fascinating to me. They're like, there are plenty of characters who fi- I find intriguing who I think would be difficult to draw into a substantive conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's always what makes me feel comfortable, makes me feel engaged, is to, to really draw somebody out and have a real back and forth conversation. And I think that's one of the things that I'm really intrigued about with Obi-Wan of... He really likes to hold things up and look at them from all angles. And I think sometimes, like, he'd be an amazing podcast guest because he'd be one of those ones, like, he starts interviewing you, right? Mm-hmm. Where he turns a question into a question. It provides some insight. He's, he doesn't just avoid things. He'll tell you what he thinks. But then he will kind of reframe it back at you. He's like, I think he really enjoys sort of uh, verbal jousting. Yeah. Yeah, it sure seems like it. Yeah, so I would, I if I could meet Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. I would want to have uh, a martini with him at the bar at the old Hollywood restaurant, Musso and Frank, mm, and yeah. just uh, chat with him. Because like he's got, uh, he's got uh, opinions about politics. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got opinions about the force. I think he's got like opinions or insights about almost everything. And if you just told him about a situation, I think he would form at least, uh, if not an opinion, a question yeah. about it to reframe how you think about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this is one of those conversations that you would need to, like, you were going to meet at four o'clock in the afternoon so that you could, because you would be there until midnight. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I feel like it's one of those, like, yeah, this is going to go on. Like, you don't want to meet him at 9 p.m. after something else because you're just going to get the conversation started when, it, you know, the restaurant closes. It's going to be a, like, long uh, you know, kind of intense conversation. Yeah. Because I think there's just, I, I agree. I think there's just um, so much to talk about. Yeah. So many things to say. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's why I love that Dexter's diner scene in Attack of the Clones. I know a lot of people, you know, don't like it because they, it looks like a fifties diner and they don't think it looks space fantasy enough or don't like the character Dexter. And I'll understand people have uh, all manner of opinions and I respect that. But the fact that he knows Dexter, he knows this guy in a greasy spoon diner just sort of speaks to him being like, I'm the kind of guy who likes to hang out yeah, <laughs> and have conversations, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to jump to Ben on Tatooine just yeah. for a little bit. For yeah, when please. we first meet Ben Kenobi. Um, and just let's start by talking about what do you think before we see him? What do you think his day-to-day interactions are like with the Jawa in particular? <laughs> Oh, like this is one of my burning questions. Like we see in uh, in the Obi Wan Kenobi show. I mean, yeah, I guess we do see it now. But um, like, yeah, what do you think? uh, You know, by the time of the original movie, Mm -hmm. some time has passed since what we see now. So maybe his relationship has changed. Like by at that time when we see old hermit Ben, Mm. what do you think? Do you think they interact with each other? Do you think? They kind of leave him alone. He leaves them. He leaves them alone. What do you think? Oh, I think he's become like? an absolute master of knowledge about Tatooine, about the culture, the weather, <laughs> <laughs> the relationships. You know, I think he probably knows. You know, uh, Jawas by name. I think he. You know, and we see that in A New Hope, right? That he 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 does understand the culture of the Tuscan Raiders and like their relationship with the crate dragon. Cause he does that crate dragon call to chase them away. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he recognizes the presence of Imperials cause all, all of their activities are different than what he's observed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think he really, really has settled into a groove yeah. and you know, his hut, his home in the first film, he's got a bunch of stuff in there. And I don't know if he's just like he's collecting things to trade, you know, it, it's it. you can always have the like, well, the movie was made then and Lucas hadn't decided X, Y or Z and all that. Mm-hmm. But if you just want to embrace the text, you know, Jedi don't have possessions. Right. And he's got a bunch of stuff in that house. Okay. It's, I'm trying to picture it. There's <laughs> just a bunch of stuff in the background. Like at the time it was made, just like set dressing. He lives yeah. here. These are weird things in the background that some of them are. One of them looks like some weird little stove. And like, okay, great. But then there's just like curios. Like he's running an antique shop yeah. out of there, you know? So I'm really fascinated with that of like, he's just, is he collecting things to, to barter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, we kind of see that now with the news. So, yeah, absolutely yeah. with that interaction with the Jawa. So yeah, I think his I think his day to day is is really mostly keeping to himself. I think he does go to bars. He does know the towns. 
Mm-hmm. He has a strong opinion about Mos Eisley in the cantina there. <laughs> yes, Richard Hive of scum and villainy. So I think he's very, very cautious, you know, not to reveal himself, not to endanger Luke. Mm-hmm. But I think he he visits a water hole every once in a while. Yeah. A watering hole. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's a room in the back of his hut or like a cave somewhere that he goes where somebody, an archaeologist in the future on Tatooine is going to be like, what are all these cave paintings? <laughs> and what are they of? And do you think they would be of life on Tatooine? Or do you think they would be like something not explicit about his life? Because I think he's too careful for that. But like flora and fauna from different planets, like from Naboo or somewhere. Oh, yeah. What kind of what kind of uh, cave paintings or drawings do you think he would leave behind if he thought they were safe and not to be discovered? Ooh, that's very interesting. I don't think he would leave images. I think he would leave inspirational quotes. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Observations. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I like that. Uh, So when I'm I'm actually going to skip to a different question. Uh, So you talked about this a little bit. Yeah. About, um, and I'm just going to say for myself, um, before we even started talking, I wrote this down. Uh, to me, Obi-Wan, I think of as um, I see kindness, I see loyalty, I see a desire to help within him. Um, but I do have questions for you about, like, do you think that, and I haven't seen all of the Clone Wars and it's been yeah. a long time since I've seen some of it, so maybe this has been explored. But um, do you think that there is a part of him that there is a time in his life he would have been tempted by the dark side and what would have led him there or led him away from it? Yeah, and- I yeah, just I, to jump. Sorry, totally away from tattooing for a moment. Oh no, that's fine. No, I think um, I think in the Phantom Menace when when Qui Gon gets killed, mm-hmm. uh, and he he is doing his duty to stop the Sith Lord. It's uh, of of Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. The, the Council has given him that mission. You're there to protect the Queen. Right. Don't let this creature anywhere near the Queen. Yeah. Uh, so he is doing his duty, but I think that's the story of that battle. He comes in hot, angry. And like uh, the the beats of that fight is really fast. He's he's keeping up with them all. He's he's attacking him with a lot of aggression. Uh, and he the kind of the final not the final beat the penultimate beat is he's bearing down on Maul and like growling at him. And it opens him up to attack, and Maul pushes him, and he falls in the pit, and you know almost. And then it's like he has to slow down and go like, okay, right away this aggression is leading me to making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then he switches into do, being much more Obi-Wan like of like, what's the bigger picture that my opponent is not paying attention to? Maul kicked my lightsaber down the pit. So Maul thinks he's got me. Mm-hmm. But I calm down and think about it. And Qui-Gon's fallen blade is sitting over there. Yeah. And Maul isn't thinking about that. So when Maul, when I jump up and flip over Maul, he thinks this idiot has no weapon. I'm just going to cut him in half. And he doesn't think about Qui-Gon's blade. Yeah. So I feel like it's a this little mini narrative where you know times where he's kind of pushed toward the dark side he is reminded in a way that we don't see other jedi taking the warning of like in a, in this is what i love about kind of the philosophy of star wars you know when you get angry and it does give you focus it does give you energy and you think ah this is a path to something mm-hmm. i got a problem and i'm gonna punch it out and you feel focused and energized and then you realize you've you didn't really solve it and you feel guilty or hollow or at worst you've caused another problem and mm-hmm. it doesn't ultimately get what you want and what it promises it's going to get you. Yeah. And I feel like there's moments of storytelling where Obi-Wan walks up to the edge of that and he sees that he goes like, 
oh, yeah, it's natural to feel this energy, to feel this anger in, in this fear. But, oh, yeah, there's a reminder. It's not going to get me what I actually want. Mm-hmm. And that's why we don't embrace it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as, you know, all of the suffering and pain it's caused. Uh, yeah, there's a great little, uh, it's, it's small, but um, it's a great moment in the Clone Wars when Maul first comes back and Obi-Wan does w- want vengeance and Maul kind of taunts him and thinks yeah. it's going to break him. And Obi-Wan's like, ooh, yeah, right. Thanks for pointing it out, buddy. And he de-escalates. <laughs> he, you know, he gets away from the battle and he re-centers. Yeah. And then he doesn't ever approach Maul. He approaches Maul as... It's really, I have a responsibility to stop you because you were terrorizing the galaxy uh, mm-hmm. to get vengeance on me. But this, but this is about me stopping you from hurting other people. This is not me getting vengeance because you killed my master. Mm-hmm. And that story only grows and grows and grows where Maul can't change. Everything is about vengeance. And just from, from getting a little close to the edge, Obi-Wan is like, ah, I realize how pointless that is. Yeah. And I'm never going to approach it that way. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had moments in your life where you're like, I'm getting, I'm getting too angry. I'm getting too towards something. And then you're like, oh, you have like your Obi-Wan moment of like, wait a second, let me step back. How would Obi-Wan approach this? Yeah. In the last couple of years in particular, because I mean, I definitely feel like I have, you know, without realizing I've done it in, in uh, younger parts of my life led with anger and it felt good, but didn't get me what I wanted in the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I, there are those moments where I, I really feel anger and frustration and want to take the direct <laughs> path and try it, it there's a couple times where i've really been like i am going to be more jedi like mm-hmm. what do i i am frustrated with this situation and so i want to lash out but what do i actually want out of this situation and not manipulate being manipulative about it but just in what are my victory conditions for myself and for the situation mm-hmm and what actions should I take to get to where I actually want to be? Yeah. In the big picture. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't always work for Obi-Wan. Uh, nope. Yep. No, but that's that's great. You've kind of answered this, but if uh, if Obi-Wan had written one, um, written like a approach to life style <laughs> book, um, I assume you would read it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It would add, be added to our book piles, uh, but probably go right toward the top so it would get read right away, I would assume. <laughs> do you think it would meld with Jedi philosophy or do you think there's some areas where he would go rogue? Uh, no, I think that I, I think what he would say is to watch out for rigidity because I think that mm. is um, one of the other things that makes him a, a fun and complex character is he a story develops where he, he is anxious and a little a little roguish and he has that in him to suddenly go yeah i'm impatient i'm going to i'm just going to do this right now I'm, there's something going on so i'm going to poke at it and find out what it is yeah uh which can be good investigative technique and sometimes it can be uh, rush into things uh and then he gets uh his master is, is Qui-Gon who is very much a a spirit of the rules not the letter of the rules mm-hmm. and even as a young man, he becomes a little like, now nah, the Jedi Order's got it figured out. Just follow the code. Just do what you're supposed to do. And there hasn't been a lot of storytelling being explicit in this, but uh, it, there are little moments throughout. Like, he, he's pretty confident to just go along with the plan. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he questions little things, but in the big picture, he's like, 
Qui-Gon made me promise to train Anakin. And Anakin's a chosen one, and he's he is going to bring balance, and I have faith in him. And I think Obi Wan sees a lot of problems, and kind of tries to poke at them, but he just goes with the program. Mm-hmm. And Jedi are not supposed to be warriors, uh, and they're not supposed to fight a war for the Republic. But he, but the Council, for various reasons, decides to get in the Clone Wars. He's like, okay, well, I'll I'll be a general, and I'll I'll do my duty. And I think that one of the things that he would really question is the Jedi lost their way a little bit kind of out of fear clinging to rules instead Mm -hmm. of asking why is the rule here what is the spirit of what we're trying to do yeah and I think he I think he believes in like the truest deepest Jedi philosophy Mm -hmm. just go to the light preserve life avoid conflict de-escalate lead with kindness whenever possible we are all, even if somebody annoys me, <laughs> uh, that's fine. We're all connected. We're all in this together. All of these kind of very big picture ideas of what it means to be a Jedi. And I think he would, I think he would caution to be like, even if you think you're on the path, question it. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure you're not just kind of falling in line too much. And there isn't a rule you should, you should question Yeah. for the big picture. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately like his... His big story, and I think something that's still going to play out in this Kenobi show we're watching, of I think by the time of the original trilogy, he truly believes there's no way to get through to Anakin. Mm -hmm. And the Jedi have a a philosophy that is the only thing you can't tolerate is intolerance, which we talk about in real life in in, in the face of authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Um, And like life is to be preserved at at all costs. But if a Sith Lord comes screaming into town to slaughter the whole town, it's really unfortunate, but we have to stop them. Right. Um, and I think he's come to that place with, with Vader. Mm-hmm. And that's a great conversation between Obi-Wan uh, as a ghost sitting on a log with Luke on Dagobah, where Luke is like, no, I, I can't, I can't. And he's like, well, they're just, uh, they're just as any other way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really great, like, you know, the student becomes the master, where Luke teaches him something else even even once obi-wan is with the force of like oh there was there was still good in him yeah you know i should have questioned that mm-hmm. yeah wow is there moving forward another story of obi-wan's that you would like to see told <laughs> in some format yeah i mean i think that it, it's it is hard to kind of pull apart the um what is feasible to make? How would people react versus what I want? Mm-hmm. I so want to know what you want. What I want, um, I would be, now that we've seen, or almost finished seeing, uh, a Kenobi story of, of his time on and off Tatooine mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in, in the dark times uh, of the Empire, uh, we've seen one that's now at this kind of grand scale of, it's almost episode 3.5 of the Skywalker saga. He's traveling with Leia. He's confronting Vader. He's, you know, confronting his worst fears mm-hmm. um and i think coming through them by the end at a at a place of hope and peace and purpose i think that i would love to see a smaller scale story mm-hmm. and this is why just like i don't know if people people would there's been a lot of like people keep asking you and mcgregor and uh, other people involved would you like to do another season and i'm like it's so much fun but once you've kind of set the scale of it's Kenobi coming back to hope after meeting Leia and confronting Vader. If it was just, hey, uh, you know, there's been stories like this in books and comics where there's like there's local trouble that, you know, there there are pirates who tried to steal people's water on Tatooine or, 
you know, a, a, a local farmer starts up a militia that gets ugly. And like, there've been lots of little stories of Obi-Wan just, how do I deal with the problem on Tatooine without revealing myself? Mm-hmm. And I think the the show really showed us like, uh, for the first 10 years, he's just like, I, I'm not a Jedi. When I watch something bad happen to somebody, I just kind of have to swallow it. Mm-hmm. But now that he's gone on this journey, and I think he's going to end it with, no, I'm a, 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 I'm a Jedi sitting here watching over Luke because that's pure Jedi to be defense to take care of the next generation. And I, and I, Kenobi, feel a little bit more comfortable. Like I found peace. I'm this makes me a Jedi. Mm-hmm. But with that awakened in him, and problems happening on Tatooine, he's really got to make sure that he doesn't draw attention. But is he going to let a problem go when he knows? somebody nearby is suffering yeah uh, and like i said there's a bunch of those stories in comics and books from canon and now not canon mm-hmm. uh i'd love to see a television show of that yeah and i'd love to see this age of obi-wan that we're seeing in that show um i love this show and I'm, i like all the choices they made but it would be fun to see him with a little bit of back in his groove a little bit yeah. of his snark and wit back uh which i do think has been present in this show but having it a little bit more back of like a little bit of that, oh, I don't want to do this, but yeah. I got to find someone without really feeling I'm a Jedi to handle this bleeper who's causing problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got a pitch for you. Okay. What about the um, the Ben on Tatooine podcast? <laughs> I mean, that's not the name. I'll come up with a better name, but like, yeah. what about the Obi-Wan podcast, except it can't be called the Obi-Wan podcast because it's set in this time. So yeah. what if it's like just Ben from Tatooine? <laughs> Speaking to you from a cave. <laughs> yeah, breakfast with Ben for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I I would find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. I would find that utterly utterly fascinating. Right? Yeah, uh, he, I think he's going towards some communing with Qui Gon, so it could be like uh, my commune with Qui Gon. There we go. <laughs> he could just be chatting back and forth. <laughs> and it's a podcast, so nobody would know. Yeah, I mean, it, hey, look if you if you record a podcast and don't release it, you can't be discovered. There we go. The lost tapes of Ben Kenobi. <laughs> the unreleased podcasts of Ben Kenobi. I love it. Oh, I love it. I but what I so uh, one of the other things that I love and I'm fascinated by this character is understandably, uh, you know, when a new character is introduced in Star Wars and, and they die, people are sometimes upset. Like, I wanted more from that character. And I always go like, hey, remember Obi-Wan Kenobi? He died in the first Star Wars anything. And we're still telling stories about him. And there's still plenty of room in his life to tell stories. They still haven't. They've uh, referred to the incident uh, where as a teen, he fell in love with Duchess Satine of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. But we haven't told that story. Yeah. You know, so that's right? that's like a big part of his life that we know happened. And we know kind of the beginning, the middle and the end. But we don't know all the how and the wonderful details and the characterizations. Like, that's a big story to be told with Kenobi. Yeah. Know? Right. And what about just like young Kenobi at the Academy? Like, what's youngling Kenobi like? Yeah, there's a, there's a book coming out that's called Padawan. That's, I think, uh, you know, very early in his, his career. Oh, really? You know? And there's a great Claudia Gray one called Master and Apprentice when he's about 17. Okay. And kind of not getting along with Qui-Gon. But it's about them kind of coming together and understanding each other a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Very fascinating. Uh, so 
we see Obi-Wan wrestling with a lot. Yeah. Obviously. Um, the death of Qui-Gon, Order 66, Anakin coming under the influence of the dark side, mm-hmm. to put it lightly. Yeah, that's, that's rough on him. Uh, you know, so much, so much going on. Do you think, uh, so I, we see him with a lot of internal turmoil. Mm-hmm. Do you think he would have still had um, that level of internal turmoil if he hadn't been brought to the Jedi Academy, um, but had just been like a teacher or a barkeep <laughs> on his home planet? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what's fascinating about him is I think like some of his just personality, right? A little bit mm-hmm. of the the snark, the wit, the curiosity, the grumpiness. Like, I think that's who that person is yeah. and who he would have always been. And I think he would have always, I think he has a good heart and he would have always been like a pull to like, yeah, no, you should be kind to people at the end of the day and you should help people at the end of the day. Uh, but I think he is somebody that, you know, the Jedi way gave all of this framework to, mm-hmm. to how mm-hmm. to think about that, how to define that. Yeah. And that's what I, this is what I love also about the story of the Jedi is that definitions and structure are good. But you also have to be mindful of them to make sure, you know, that you are not just blindly following them, that you're checking in on them, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that structure gave him, a, a, would give him a way to to be the best version of himself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he'd be a, the same, but maybe, maybe not as uh, as open to following his better instincts. Yeah, yeah. Like we would see him giving into a lot more yeah. of that if he didn't have this larger structure. Yeah. We see him a little flirty in the movies. In the Clone Wars animated series, he is flirty as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that would be the big difference is I think he'd have a, a lot of lady friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so I want to ask you just kind of a few fun questions. But I do I have another question for you uh, just about kind of your relationship with Obi-Wan. And also we've talked about before your relationship with action figures. Mm. Do you have... A favorite, I'm going to dare ask, uh, Obi-Wan action figure or a favorite today. Oh, uh, there are so many. Uh, I would say my actual favorite one, I'll I'll give you a a, a one that that I really like for meaningful and then I like the weird and and the Mm -hmm. bonkers. Uh, So there is a, when Revenge of the Sith came out, I was in a like, I needed to pump the brakes and not buy as many action figures. Mm -hmm. And I bought two action figures. I bought a Yoda. And then I wasn't, I didn't super love the first uh, Obi-Wan that came out. And then they came out with this Obi-Wan that is the, the pilot gear, but it's just like a the headset and you can take it off, uh, which I did. I opened it and it's just like a great, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi from Revenge of the Sith, perfect action figure. Uh, and as you know, that's been at my desk mm-hmm. uh, since whatever time, that was probably like, August of 2005 or July. I don't even know when when it was that I bought that. But that's been at my desk when we lived in Minneapolis, when we briefly lived in London, here in Los Angeles, uh, when I did a writing retreat uh, at a hotel a couple months ago. That Kenobi came with me. He's my desk buddy. Yeah. So that one is kind <laughs> of like my, uh, probably my favorite. And then I've been, I've been getting some of the weird ones. And one of my favorite weird ones is... There's a great episode of Clone Wars animated series that is um, perfect Kenobi Anakin. Like Kenobi is the negotiator. It's um, a rigid government uh, who thinks they own uh, a moon. But there's a tribe there that's indigenous. Mm -hmm. And Obi-Wan is trying to negotiate this without escalating it. And it's a great episode because the the lightsaber is never ignited. There's a threat of it, but Obi-Wan keeps 
trying to de-escalate it. Yeah. Uh, and tried to, you know, communicate and all, all this great stuff. But it happens on a super cold planet. Uh, so it's cool because you get to see Obi-Wan and Anakin in like cold weather gear, which mm-hmm. I, of course, like because of uh, not only the connections to Empire Strikes Back and Hoth, but having grown up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a part of the episode where he's got like the the hood up on like a parka thing and it's kind of cinched tight. And the action figure, it's, a, it's like a really cool winter coat jacket. He's got a ignited lightsaber, even though he doesn't ignite it in the episode. Uh, but then the hood is closed tight super tight <laughs> like he doesn't want to deal with anything and you can just see his grumpy face peeking out yeah <laughs> of this super tight hood i love it and that one that one might be my favorite I love uh, it. that's amazing weird funny obi-wan if i can share a personal detail about you please um so we obviously lived in Minnesota for for many years um and at least when you and i lived there together you often would not clothes like zip up or button up your winter coat yeah and it, <laughs> if you don't mind me sharing which i've just done um which as somebody who would like bundle up and put on my scarves and put on my hat and, and be like you know not with the hood but just because my coats didn't have hoods but be like that with obi-wan on the really cold like it's below zero kind of days there's a wind chill i'm gonna have as little of my skin exposed as possible um but i know you've you at least at times in your life have kind of had a pushback against wanting to do that. If it meant you could be being like Obi-Wan in day-to-day life, would that be, would that encourage you to put up a hood and close it and zip up your jacket? Yeah. If I had a a grumpy, don't talk to me hood Uh that had that exact energy, I Uh think maybe, yeah, I think I maybe. Good. I know you're getting for Christmas. I for will wear the, it every time we go back to Minneapolis, even if it's 97 degrees out. Just going to say, for all the like 80 degrees here in <laughs> Los Angeles, you can put it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are there any other Obi-Wan um, paraphernalia things that you uh, hope to someday own or hope that someday get made? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have it, but I would really like one of the... Um, there's the cool force effects uh, lightsabers. I, I really love his hilt design for mm-hmm. his his third lightsaber, his you know famous lightsaber. Yeah. So um, I would really really like that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'd like some Obi Wan glassware because I really do like that he uh, he also does. There's there's lots of instances of him having a drink from the movies and in Clone Wars. There's some great shots of him with an actual like straight up like space martini glass mm-hmm. um that was one of the other super bonkers great uh obi-wan action figures i have was him at the bar and attack the clones where he he goes to have a drink uh to draw in the assassin yep. and he has that interaction where he uses the jedi mind trick to convince the drug dealer to rethink their life um and he's drinking uh, a, a little drink and there's an action figure of him in that moment where he's got his fingers up doing the jedi mind trick he comes with a section of bar and a cocktail <laughs> Do you have this action yeah. figure? I, okay, I was gonna say, why do you not? Why? <laughs> I will show it to you. I will need to see this. Uh, so, uh, yeah, some some Obi Wan glassware. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think um, that particular lightsaber says about Obi Wan? Uh, that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think it's distinctive, and it's sort of uh, uh, there's something that's it's fashionable but minimal, and it has that. Um, uh, there, there's an elegant taper to it, okay. uh, because it is the one that has kind of a thin neck as it's leading up to the emitter. Okay. 
Um, in a fun in-world thing uh, is that when they went to shoot the movie Return of the Jedi, uh, they they weren't even thinking like Luke needs a new lightsaber. Uh, they're just like hey, we'll worry about it later. But then they realized when they were shooting against the blue sky that they couldn't have a blue lightsaber. They're like, well, oh crap, we forgot he lost his lightsaber. We got to get him a new one. So they used uh, a, a, an Obi Wan hilt. Okay. And then that became kind of the narrative that in world when Luke built his second lightsaber. He, there's a little bit more in the mode of Obi-Wan. And then when they very purposefully designed Leia's lightsaber, there's some elements of Obi-Wan's blade in it. So mm-hmm. it's really aesthetically cool by itself. It's elegant and it's different. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then there's this sort of like the echoing out of his blade and the mm-hmm. other Skywalker blades. Cool. Cool. I love it. Yeah. So just a few fun questions yeah, before please. we kind of wrap up. Uh, so if you were going to spend one day with Obi-Wan doing something that neither of you normally do, like going in a hot air balloon or <laughs> riding dune buggies, what would you want to do? I'll, I'll leave it there rather than asking both parts of the question. Oh, what, what would I want to do? Yeah. It is like a let's challenge us to do something we wouldn't do or something that. Yeah, just like something out of the ordinary, like playing mini golf. Like it doesn't need to be a, a physical challenge. It can be like we're going to go, you know fishing we're gonna what's something that you would like to do with obi-wan but that's not something that you we or obi-wan normally do uh yeah i'll I'll take you up on fishing we would go ice fishing so we could both wear (laughs) those don't talk to me coats (laughs) i love it and what at the end of the day would you hope like what would you hope to have gotten out of the day or like what would be like yes this was just a great day with obi-wan in aside from just like spending a day with obi-wan i think you know there's that there's those kinds of, of we, we we talked and joked about like going to the bar and having like, let's have a conversation, right? Yeah. And then there's those kind of activities that you have together. Like maybe we have to road trip to get to the ice fishing place. And then it's like that kind of uh, Midwest, I guess most ice fishing, uh, where, you know, you're just in the hut for hours and it's kind of a hangout place. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there is that joke of like, you see those those cabins, those are for ice fishing. And some people are like, those people are not ice fishing. They are just in there with beers and magazines and portable <laughs> televisions and like uh the the times that you spend with people where you're not going to cover every moment with talking you're just kind of going to get into a groove mm-hmm. and you're just doing like activities together too mm. that would be really interesting to just get it on like the same energy wavelength like you do with the person when it's like yeah we know we're comfortable enough with each other that we don't have to talk every second yeah that would be interesting Speaking of which, video gaming. I would love to play video games with Obi-Wan. Because <laughs> I think he'd be kind of, uh, I think he'd be a little bit snarky about it being a waste of time. Yeah. But then he'd also be quite good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be fascinating. Yeah. Nice. So if you could visit the Star Wars galaxy, mm. uh, world, um, worlds, uh, what planet would you like to visit with Obi-Wan as tourists? Oh, I would definitely want to go to, to Coruscant during the Republic era and be like, okay, clearly you've identified uh, Dexter's Diner is a good hangout. You like this mm-hmm. greasy spoon, but I want to see every place that you think is worth having a drink yeah. or worth having a meal. Like, yeah. I want a culinary tour of Coruscant. Nice. Do you think that you would manage to stay tourist or do you think something would come up? Uh, oh, I think something would come up. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what ride at Disneyland would you like to go on with Obi-Wan? Ooh. And specifically, what age Obi-Wan? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I uh, I would definitely like to go uh, on uh, Space Mountain 
Mm. Not Hyperspace Mountain, but Space Mountain with Obi-Wan. I really do love the joke of like, he's not big on flying. He's perfectly good at it. Mm -hmm. He's got Jedi instincts and he's amazing at it, but he doesn't crave adventure excitement. I think like a roller coaster, he'd be like, look, you know, I'd rather just go walk through the the castle and read the storybook Mm -hmm. than go on the roller coaster. (laughs) Do some good people watching. Come on. But yeah, so I would I would like to go on the roller coaster with like a a new hope age. Yeah. Obi-Wan. Nice. Like, ah, all right, because he he's he's really got his uh his salty remarks down to a science by yeah. then. You know when when Han makes a big deal of the Falcon, it's one of my favorite Kenobi lines. And like you haven't heard a Millennium Falcon, and Kenobi just says, "Should I have?" And it's very <laughs> subtle, but it's a great zing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to see at the end of the roller coaster what does his face look like uh, for the photograph. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is a great one. That is a great one. I think I would want to choose like one of the I was going to say, what's the restaurant? Um, The Blue Bayou, I think at the oh yeah start of Pirates of the Caribbean. But I think even more so like one of the um, like the cafe that's on Main Street and just like sit way out there uh, toward the sidewalk and just watch people go by, see the drama, see the joy with like um, Clone Wars era <laughs> just like like the commentary yeah uh, i think i think it'd be really fun. <laughs> the rolling commentary mm-hmm. would be great yeah yep exactly. and the questions he might have about this culture and what are we right? doing here right yeah. exactly um anything else that you want to talk about there's there's so much yeah um I, well i i always like to say like i i do think he is a flawed character i think he makes mistakes and that is what is fascinating about him to one of the many things that's fascinating to me about him there's mm-hmm. just like Honestly, there is the surface level. He's he's funny. His fights are cool. Spinning that that lightsaber. Uh, it's fun to watch him be crafty and figure out what he's going to do. He's just like, he looks cool. There's a lot of Obi-Wan Kenobi moments where like, that's funny. He looks awesome. There is that real surface level to me. But I feel like what's been really rewarding about diving into the character is that he is flawed. He does make mistakes. But at the end of the day, his heart is so pure and it makes him a relatable and interesting character because even though he exists in this bonkers space fantasy world, it's very, very real and relatable to be like, I I really mean my best, but I slip up, I make mistakes. Sometimes there isn't the exact right choice, so I kind of veer this way. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes characters really, really great and fascinating to me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Would you like to make a noise to sum up your obsession? Yes. Hello there. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Uh, If you were to rate yourself today, what is your level of obsessed rating from 1 to 10, with 10 being the highest? Yeah, no, it's a full 10. Like, I really, really like the character. And, you know, I've been lucky to be able to do podcasts like this. And, you know, I have the Star Wars Podcast 4 Center, where there's, like, a, a reason to dive deep into this character but but i i would anyway and i have in the past long before podcast when people are like he's a jerk he just lied to luke he's a liar and like really i think it's more complex than that <laughs> might be a mistake might not be perfect but let's dive into this uh so i think i've always been really engaged by the character i think i always will be he'll always be one of my uh favorite characters in star wars no matter 
no matter what. If mm-hmm. Lucasfilm right now is like, we're we're pumping the brakes. We're we're not putting out any Star Wars for ten years or whatever. Yeah, I'd still think about him. I'd still want action figures of him. Uh, we're at a high point of Kenobi fever, uh, but I think it's a condition I will I will always have. Yeah, you will always have Kenobi fever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of places where you like you might also talk about Obi-Wan, are there any plugs you'd like to make? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, you can, of course, find this very podcast um, wherever podcasts are podcasted. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshot. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. And of course, you can check out that Star Wars podcast that I co-host. That is called Four Center Info on upcoming shows and stuff like that and old shows and comedy albums and all kinds of stuff are on my website at josephscrimshot.com. And you can, of course, support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And I forgot, I meant to have not a caveat, uh-huh. <laughs> a clarification at the top of the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we got one out. It's just been uh, really busy with mm. life stuff. So uh, thank you uh, for your patience, listeners. And sorry, we've been a little inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and you can find me uh, uh, <laughs> ever so occasionally these days. <laughs> Apologies. Some days, someday maybe I'll get back there um, on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw and Scrimshaw and on Instagram at Scrimstreet. Excellent. Okay. Time for our final questions. Yeah. Which may or may not have anything to do with Obi-Wan. Uh, so if you had a constant soundscape in your ears or in your mind that was just like always there, and it could be either the sound of wind in the desert or the sound of lava flowing down a hillside, which would you choose? Ooh, I think uh, wind in the desert. Okay. Because wind in the desert has at least a sort of eerie effect of something may be coming. Lava has, you should run now. (laughs) (laughs) And between those two emotional states, I think something is coming and you should maybe be prepared or maybe it's just the wind. It's a little bit of a paranoid headspace to be in, but better than (laughs) you should move now. Right. With occasional explosions. Yes. (laughs) Is that anything? No, it's just lava exploding. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did anybody else hear that? No, no. That was just in my head, literally. Um, If all trees were the size of bonsai, how many do you think we could fit in our home? Ooh, I think we should have a trees versus action figures battle. Ooh. And I, one tree for every action figure. And then our home would just be, it would just look like a very strange miniature forest where tiny trees grow action figures. That would be amazing. I mean, trees don't stack as well as action figures. But we've that, okay, we've got a new design scheme. Yeah, we need I some new it. shelving. So there we one go. for trees, one for figures, one for trees, one for figures. Absolutely. Perfect. I love it. Uh, I'm on board. And um, if you, I've got three for you today. Ooh. Would you rather have a pet ice fox, as in <laughs> a Voltex, or a pet loft cat? Ooh, ooh. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the Lothcat. Uh, I want to go with the Volp text. Um, but since in, in this fantasy world, I already have the sound of the wind in the desert. <laughs> I think that crystal critter uh, <laughs> jingling, that, jingle? that constant <laughs> jingle, yeah, that is one of the things I need to work on is rustling bugs me. Uh, as, as you know, like when somebody's just looking, looking in a bag for something, I can't concentrate on anything else. And those animals sounds like they're constantly rustling in a bag looking for their keys. Mm-hmm. No. No. The beautiful fantasy creatures can't do it. Okay. 
Okay, loft cat is it? <laughs> loft cat it is. And final question, as always, what is happiness? Mm, I think uh, happiness is uh, the, that smile you get when you are truly content, which I am taking from Obi-Wan Kenobi. He has a couple great content smiles throughout his story. Mm, lovely. I love that. Yeah. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So uh, I have a question for you that is related to Mm Obi-Wan. Since uh, one of the pivotal Obi-Wan Kenobi scenes is he is the keeper of the lightsaber and gives it to Luke and gives us the whole introduction of what they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you met Obi-Wan Kenobi and he's like, here's your lightsaber, I've been keeping it for you. Would you be happy? Would you want a lightsaber from Obi-Wan Kenobi? Or you'd be like, ooh, no. No, thank you. Oh, I would be so happy. (laughs) So very happy. I would say thank you very, very much, Mr. Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) How would you use your lightsaber? What would you do with it? Would you ignite it right away and play with it like Luke? Or would you wait for a special time? I would probably ignite it right away. (laughs) (laughs) Too exciting. Yep. Uh, Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. So I think I would have the instinct to ignite it uh, immediately, but I think I'd ask for some tape and I would tape off a large area and I'd be like, okay, don't come anywhere inside this area because I don't want to accidentally hurt anybody with this lightsaber. (laughs) 